0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a daily program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. We're working our way through the two-year version of the RMM Scripture Reading Plan, and I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to John chapter 8. This chapter begins with the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Now, this is, of course, one of the best-known and most beloved stories in all the Bible. In fact, I think if you don't like this story, there's probably something seriously wrong with you. This story is Jesus in a nutshell. Now, there is a bit of controversy about this story. It does not appear in the earliest versions we have of John's gospel, and therefore scholars conclude that it was almost certainly a later edition. And yet, scholars generally believe that the story itself is genuine. D.A. Carson, for example, says there is little reason for doubting that the event here described occurred, even if in its written form it did not, in the beginning, belong to the canonical books. So the sense seems to be that this was an actual event, that was recorded in a book that was not included in the canon. But the story was so good and it was so typical of Jesus that it was cut out, as it were, and pasted in to John's gospel. We are therefore wise to regard it as a true story from an otherwise unknown source included here for our instruction and edification. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, right away, one wonders how a person could be caught in the very act of adultery. Were there Pharisees hiding under the bed? Was this a setup? There are all kinds of questions about this scenario. It looks for all the world like dirty pool. And the rest of the story seems to bear that out. Verse 5 says, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Of course, we would very much like to know what Jesus wrote on the ground, but the text doesn't say. Did he... Write down all of the sins that these men had committed over the course of their lives. He could have done that. Jesus knew the hearts of men. Or did he write down all of the sins that must have been committed in order to set up this little sting operation? He could have done that. Of course, we don't know. What we know is that it made quite an impression on the gathered crowd. Verse nine says, but when they heard it, side by side. He doesn't say, neither do I condemn you. Go and do whatever you like. That would be grace, but not truth. He calls sin, sin. He tells her that she needs to repent and turn her back on these wicked ways. But he also tells her that there is grace and mercy, forgiveness, and the chance to start again. That is Jesus. Thanks be God. Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Here again we see Jesus wrapping himself in Old Testament typology and in the colors and contours of Jewish worship in order to make exalted claims about himself. Colin Cruz says here, Jesus' claim to be the light of the world was made against the backdrop of another Jewish practice at the Feast of Tabernacles, the great candle-lighting ceremonies that took place each night except on an intervening Sabbath. So Jesus is making massive claims, claims that cannot be characterized as anything less than divine claims. And the authorities demand to know who Jesus thinks he is to say things like this. And of course, that's the rub. If Jesus is who he says he is, then he has the right to say these things. If he's not, then he is a madman, as C.S. Lewis said, on the level with a man who claims to be a poached egg. That's the discussion. That's the debate that John is letting us in on. Verse 21, He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Now, I want you to notice who Jesus is talking to here. Verse 31 says that he is talking to Jews who had believed him. Jesus is having this conversation with professed believers. These are people who've been chewing on what Jesus has been saying. And they're saying, we're in, we're with you. And Jesus says, are you? Are you? And then he begins to press them. That is amazing. I am amazed at how reticent Jesus is to credit the faith of these early professors. These are people who are raising their hands. And Jesus is is saying, I see that hand, but I want to press a little bit. First, he says, if you really believe in me, then you will abide in my word. You will persevere in my teaching. And then to test that, he, he throws out some pretty hard teaching real believers will hear what i'm about to say and they will grab hold of it they will submit to it they will eat it up will you verse 34 goes on and says jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. So Jesus says, another indicator that you are a real believer is that you make war on your sin. You don't sit in it. You have progressive victory over it. You're not a slave to it. Verse 37, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, did you hear that exchange? These were Jews who had believed him. These were seekers, we would say. And yet look at what Jesus says. He says, I see nothing in your character or behavior that would lead me to the conclusion that you are truly born of God. On the contrary, you appear to be children of the devil. You lie, you kill, and you resist the one whom God has sent. This proves that you are not believers. If you belong to God, you would listen to me. Now, that is not how we tend to speak to seekers. But that is how Jesus is speaking to these seekers. And they didn't like it. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Things are getting out of control here. We're starting to name call. Crowd doesn't like being pressed on these matters, and they punch back. Verse 49, Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. That's the issue Jesus says right here. The real believer is the one who perseveres in the word. If he drops out when he is offended, then he or she proves that they never belonged in the first place. Verse 52. If I were to say to you that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That is the, most amazing, that is the most counterintuitive and potentially alarming exchange in all the Bible. These were people who claimed to have believed him, and yet at the end, they are trying to kill him. Obviously, they were not real believers. When Jesus pressed them on perseverance and on sin and on pride, they got nasty. They didn't want to be told that their ethnicity bought them no privileges. They didn't want to be told that sin was a serious issue. They didn't want to be told that Jesus was not prepared to take them at their word. They were offended by those things, and their offense proved their illegitimacy. Obviously, that stuck with the Apostle John because he repeats it in his epistles. He says in 1 John 2.19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Many people, John says, make initial demonstrations of faith. Many people are attracted to something about Jesus. Watch them, John says. See if they persevere. See if they are offended when they eventually learn all of what God's word says. See if they try to edit or argue or change or deny. See if they depart from the faith. Because if they do, then they were never in the faith. Real believers persevere. They are helped by the Spirit to recognize the voice of Jesus as the voice of God. They belong to him, and so they receive him and abide in him and receive from him the gift of eternal life. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources, you can find those over at the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope that you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here, for another episode of Into the Word. Thank you.